Without further ado, this is Dos Giris. You already know what it is. What's this guy's name? Who Andres. Knows? That's Andres. Soy Miguel. And somos los Dos Giris sin guía. Let's go. What's up, everybody? So we've got a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking about two particularly tricky verbs. Um, and I remember when I was learning Spanish for the first time, I was told what the meaning of these words were, and what happened is it just confused me even more to hear one translation when it's really not that simple. It's a little bit more complicated. Isn't that normally the case, man? Yeah. We might have to really do this for more verbs in the future. I'd love to hear what people think about talking about all the different definitions and and really going deep into the verbs. Absolutely. I think there are, well, I think there are definitely certain verbs that are a lot more useful to do it with. For example, saltar, that means jump, you know? I mean, you can like use it in like a metaphorical means, way. Like, skip something. Yeah, or... I know, but you can also say jump in English for that if you like kind of. Yeah, yeah, just like jump the bad chapters. It sounds a bit yeah. strange, but the idea is right there. Or you can jump the line, you know, like you can jump someone in line. But, but anyway, I think there are certain verbs that are very difficult to learn. And then so the two examples we're going to give today are deber and echar. So to start off, we're going to talk about deber. And I remember in high school Spanish, I was always taught that this means should. And it was always very, it was always very difficult for me to wrap my mind around that, because in English we use should as as an auxiliary verb to a different verb. It only can like be on the uh, the back of another verb. It's not like a normal infinitive. Versus in Spanish, this is just a normal. Inf you can't say to should in English, you know. But in Spanish, deber is just a complete infinitive that can stand by itself. Um, so basically, the one, the biggest distinction that I wanted to make is I was always under the assumption that this meant should. And then, so when I had moved to Spain, I think I was walking around telling people, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. Thinking well, I was just really being, well, I was thinking I was just being helpful and nice. And it turns out that debes doesn't mean should, it means must. So I feel like On looking- On top of that, you're using the two form, you dog. Yeah, dog. so I'm going around just totally informally telling everyone, trying to be el rey del mundo, trying to tell everyone, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. You Not meaning to be bossy, but thinking back on those situations before I truly understood it, I can totally understand that a native speaker might have thought that I was trying to boss them around because it's close enough to the true meaning of deber that it would be understood, but not exactly in the way that I wanted to be understood. So I wanted to share with some people and hopefully help you guys avoid making the same mistakes that I did. Um, so anyway, yes, the bear, and more Can light. I say something really yeah, fast? Yeah, All right, so it bears bringing to light that you are correct that the infinitive can stand by itself in Spanish, but when we use it for um, you must do something or you should do something, then it continues to act like an auxiliary verb. It is so true. Like in, the, in the great number of cases that you hear it, I think it's going to be an auxiliary, just so people like don't think that they'll often encounter this verb in the 
Well, I'm not going to say what it means because yeah, it's going to be gonna, more We're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I best, the, the main point that I wanted to touch on with that is that in English, it's not really a verb by itself. You know, it's not, it's, it, it's, you can only ever add it to things. I just wanted to show this a little bit different there, but you are completely right. In the instance that I'm talking about it right now, it does need another verb to go after it. So example, if I say, debes hacer la tarea, that means you must do your homework, um, rather than saying you should do your homework, which I later learned was actually more similar to deberías. Hacer la tarea, which is the um, it is the conditional form of deber. So it to to think about it, it's like you would must you would must is kind of like should you know. Um, but obviously in Dos Gutes we talk about how direct translations are never the real correct way to think about it. But it's just so you can kind of wrap your mind if if you absolutely need to be able to translate it one way. You would must, kind of like you should. Um, but anyway, so Andres is going to hop over here and take over with another way that you can say you should. Well, what Andres is going to do is actually act like an auxiliary verb and jump on your back and provide a double example for that last one. So something okay. I hear a lot out here is like, debes cumplir tus deberes. Something along those lines to say like you have to do your homework. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice that uh, the plural of works or or better yet there's a noun that's deber also and that means like obligations and it's very uh general so in the sentence debes cumplir tus deberes if a teacher is talking to their students it means do do your homework well it could also yeah. mean if a, as i say if a, a father is talking to his son it could mean like your chores you tus deberes mm -hmm. yeah just anything that you are obligated to do so that's um kind of goes along with Another thing I wanted to ask you, so when would you, who would say de debes to someone else? I'm just, I'm trying to say that it would be more of a person in, in a position of authority saying it to a person less in a position of authority. For example, a teacher to a student or, or a parent to a child is a lot more common. I think the best way to observe this is how often does a child say you must do something in English to a parent or as a student saying that to the teacher, this is what you must do. Rather, they say something that's more in line with should or have to, and that goes back to suggestion. And then in Spanish, it's the same where if you're using just the verb deber, like debes comer lo que queda en el plato, then you know that this is, I'm in a position to mandate that. A little right? bit, a little bit, yeah. Uh -huh. to, to an extent. So yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you, man. It's always coming from a point of authority. Or at least it should be. And then the example when I was saying <laughs> it, when I had no authority over anybody, that was not the vibe that I wanted to be giving out. Not not oh, what I was yeah. trying to do. So anyway. Boring being Mike in Madrid. Veer clear. Yeah. <laughs> Just use deberías. Okay. But also, how, what's the other way that you can say should? You were telling me about this in our pre-chat. Okay, cool. So... You can attach a fancy little preposition at the end of deber and then make it work as a suggestion. And it's the, the quick and easy translation is should. So you want to say, like, you should brush your teeth because your breath smells like ass. Something along these lines. 
Cool. You would say something like, debes de cepillarte los dientes que te huele fatal el aliento. Something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so, can we, so can we say the, so the phrase is debes de. So you can say mm -hmm. deberías cepillar los dientes or you can say debes de cepillar los dientes también. Um, we, are yeah. a, we are already eight minutes in, so I'm going to try to roll this a little bit quicker. Um, let's go to the next one. How can you, what, what's the next one we've got written down, Andres? All right, so we talked already a little bit about using the pronominal say, right? Like, it's not reflexive, the pronominal say. Mm -hmm. And if you do this with deber, you're actually going to be talking about what something is due to. And I find this really useful. It was a good stepping stone in, like, realizing the usage of say. And you pointed out earlier, Mike, that se debe a is literally just es debido a. Yeah. And when you have those side by side, you can really see how, like, the reflex – or not the reflexive say, the um, – which, which says that the pronominal one or, or, or you the, make the passive voice. Yeah, the passive say. I would just call it the passive say. Perfect. Uh, you can really see how that works. Now, an example of se debe a could be se debe a muchos factores desconocidos, right? It's due to a lot of unknown factors. Mm -hmm. um, and then something I want to point out just for curiosity's sake that you'll – it's probably drilling at home for a lot of you, but maybe for real beginners, you might not have noticed that all the prepositions have to start at the beginning, or at least that sentences cannot end with prepositions. So you would say, rather, nadie sabe a lo que se debe. Right? No one knows what it's due to. Mm -hmm. And in, in case that's interesting to somebody out there, I always found it a little bit confusing to know where to place the preposition. I think that's definitely uh, good to, to touch on and to say. And then if we want to go more in depth on that, we could probably do that in a later episode. But it's absolutely good to, to mention that and be like, just so y'all know, it's got to be at the beginning. Ah, lo que se debe, not se debe lo que ah, you know? Um, okay, sweet. Um, not, not just done. Uh, we got oh. debido. Yeah, perfect. Right, so this is the exact same meaning, but it's not the conjugated form. We just take the root of the verb, deber, and then we say debido, rather, and it means uh, owed, right? So it's owed to. Or it can, it can also mean the same thing. It can also mean it's due to, as debido. Yeah, oh, it's, it's owed to this one thing. It's due to this yeah, one thing. Yeah, That's yeah, actually yeah. what I think I was aiming for. Thanks. Oh, man. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I thought you meant like owe more in like the financial obligation type of sense. Yeah. Um, but so that brings us is, into the other one, too. Uh, a que se debe la crisis? That's a valid question, right? I'm sure a lot of people wanted to know <laughs> the answer there. It's like, what's the crisis due to? And a crisis is an economic recession. Yeah, what, what caused it? Uh, la puta crisis, if you want to get, if you want to throw, throw an extra adjective in there, la puta crisis. For those ready to advance to B2, perhaps C1 level, we strongly <laughs> encourage la puta crisis. <laughs> yes. They never hurt separately. Never. They, um, really, they really throw that in just about every time you hear the word crisis. Crisis. Yeah. yeah. Formal settings included. <laughs> la puta crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And to answer the question, you could use uh, la crisis 
es debido a muchos factores. There you go. Exactly. Right? And there, there you guys have. That's what, that's what I know about the bear. It's not a bunch, but if you can handle that, you're rocking it. Okay, um, I wanna, I wanna see if we can um, hopefully accelerate, accelerate a, a teeny bit. I'm just gonna say what we were talking about before uh, with financial obligation. Deber also has that meaning too. Um, you could say me debes una, like Andres was saying earlier. You owe me one. If you say me debes una cerveza, me debes diez pavos. You owe me ten bucks. You owe me. You can say you owe me whatever, um, and it can be. You know, both joking around and be like, hey, you owe me one to your buddy. Or it can be literally someone actually owes you a certain thing. Uh, so I just wanted to say that briefly, although it is away from the other meanings of the verb, that is also a totally used meaning of it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and then we've got one more for the verb, and then we're going to get into a charm super quick. But Andres, last one for the verb. Okay, I'll make this as quick as possible, guys, but I recall always wanting to say, I should have, you should have, and then the past participle, right? Like, you, sh you really should have come to the party, right? Because it's not the same as you should come to the party. Now we're talking about the present. I'm just giving a suggestion, but all the time, I feel like I feel like our days are really like, ah, stories about things that happened before, mm -hmm. right? And I know that that's something that I say all the time. He's just like, dude, you should have blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want to do that, we've got you covered. It's debería, like Mike was saying, plus the verb haber, the auxiliary haber, and then past participle. Mm -hmm. So to complete the illustration, you should have come. Deberías haber venido. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to add emphasis, I hear it all the time here, te deberías haber venido. Yeah. You can include a reflexive. Absolutely. And just to throw one more example on that, deberías haberlo hecho, you should have done it. You know? Um, or, I'm just going to throw this in very, very quickly, you can also put that in with could have done it. Podría haberlo hecho. Or no, that's um, podía, sorry, not podría, podía haberlo hecho. You, uh, you could have done it. Um, anyway, okay, so that concludes our presentation of Debert. And we've got about six minutes to go into HR. I think we can do it. So HR is slightly different than Debert. I didn't actually really learn this verb. I don't think I was, I don't know if I was ever taught this verb in high school Spanish because it's, it's very colloquial, it's very used in Spain. Um, and on top of that, there's really no one good word at all that you can say that this is, this is what it means. There just, there just isn't. Um, so we're just going to give different examples. So we've got three main meanings of it, and then we've got it used in a bunch of different colloquial phrases. Um, and those ones is really, with the phrases, it's really hard to say what the English translation of it is. So we're just gonna translate the phrases in general. But anyway, I'm going to start with, if your friend is on the sofa and he's being a gilipollas, he's being kind of a dick, an asshole, um, and he, he's taking up the whole couch and you want to sit down, you could tell him, hombre, échate un poco al lado. And that means scooch over, scooch over a little bit. Not, not just up over a little bit, make, make some room for me. Come on, dude. But anyway, so you could say HR like that. Andres, next one. Okay, this one also, like you said, man, tough to translate, but I think if you just think about it conceptually, you'll be better off. So it's like to put into. So you can echar una cerveza a un vaso. 
that's like to fill a beer or to yeah pretty much to fill a beer but let you me say this I, I i think i would say if i were gonna do it with a beer one i would say it more as a person asking somebody else i'd be like hombre échame un poco al vaso you know like i guess you could say like oh ho low ho al vaso like you could say i am pouring it but i would be mm-hmm. like more like asking someone for it i'd be like que me eches un poco you know yeah and, and in both cases, we're still left with, like, the, the quandary of what's the best way to translate it. Because in English, we have this problem. Not a problem. We're just very specific when it comes to adding things, right? And that's the whole concept here is if you want to add salt to your food, echa sal a la comida. Or echa de sal. You could also say um, add butter or add uh, lemon juice, all these things. The thing is, is in English, we pick a different word. We say, um, sprinkle, dash, spritz, pour. spritz, or yeah, or, or squirt a little bit. You know, there's so many different things. And in Spanish, like, yasta. yeah, yeah. So I hope that that's clear. Anytime you want to essentially add something to, to another thing, I want to say like in a container and a, but it, but not even that it's, it's a bit vague, but that's the meaning, you know? So, if, and the most common is going to be in the kitchen and pertinent to food. That's yeah, what I got for you guys. absolutely. Um, okay. I'm going to give one more of what just HR means. And I guess it's more of HR with day generally at the end. Um, but if, if you are the bouncer at a bar, if you're working security, and someone is acting ruly and you gotta kick them out, you a Charlie. You can uh, you can HR someone from a bar, which means to kick out. Uh, and that's it, just a it's a common, not even a super common uh, meaning of it. But that is one way, that is one meaning, one translation of what a chart means. And now we're going to go into the ones that are used with other words that are more Formed phrases, phrases HS. Um, so, Andres, without further ado, let's hear some of those. Yeah, man. So, let's see. I'm just going to burn through these people. We got HR de menos, and that is to miss or to long for. You have HR un vistazo. That's to look, to look at, to look over. Either one's probably adequate. Um, HR a perder. A little bit more explaining here. This is like to mess up or to ruin. So I might say after living here and being really confident with my Spanish level and then going back to the States and noticing that it's it's a bit degraded, I would say, pues, de volver a Estados Unidos y de solo hablar inglés, he echado a perder mi español. That's like, you know, after moving back to the States and, and by only speaking Spanish, I've practically ruined or messed up. My Spanish. I said move back to Spanish, didn't I? <laughs> no pasa, hombre, no pasa nada. Se entiende. No pasa nada. Something that I hear often in school, maybe it's just because these kids don't know how to behave, is echar una bronca. And teachers are always having to do this because that means, like, get upset verbally. Anytime you raise your voice and you get upset, echar una bronca. Next up, um, echar una siesta. 
That's uh, pretty case-specific to Spain. That means that you're going to take a siesta. That can be explained later. Then for us meatheads that think it could be advantageous to know how to challenge people to an arm wrestling match, uh, you might want to say, Echar un pulso, un pulso. Uh, finally, and I think this is helpful, if you want to offer to help somebody else, you can say, Echar una mano, mm-hmm. right? And that. that's like to, to lend a hand. Absolutely. Cool, people. Hope you guys loved it. I sure did. And that is it. We've made it. So that was our topic for today. Uh, what we're going to be kind of, we're going to be trying out a few new forms for Dos Giddies. Like we did last week, we were talking about one of those hot button issues. Then we went back to grandma for today. I think we'll try another hot button issue for next week. But anyway, if you guys have any opinions, if you like one more than the other, maybe the grammar's more useful for you, maybe you like hearing about what life is like in Spain more, you can always let us know down in the comments. We are super open to uh, hearing and listening to what you guys think also. Way down there, they're way down. I think we dropped them down on the floor or something. But anyway, Andres, you got anything to add to our wonderful publico? que deberíais dejar unos comentarios para que vayamos leyéndolos y nos centramos de lo que la gente está buscando y quieren escuchar más. Eso es. Entonces, that's, that's all I got for you. Ya está, ok. Entonces, bueno, hasta la próxima, gente. Venga. Los kiddies, chao. Los kiddies, out.